Good morning, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful day. Continue. We left off page 53b. Baba Kama, the fifth chapter. Dedicate this class. Our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land, especially there, those on the front line. Yeah, all the wounded have a full and speedy recovery. All the hostages return home safely. Little Nishmas of the Nachman, but Moshe and the uh, Lamer for Pedal the Smiriam. Fifth line from the from the bottom, 53b. So you might have quotes the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that if an axe, an axe was carrying uh, utensils, and it fell into the to the pit, and the axe died or was hurt, you pay for the axe, but not for the utensils. Or if a donkey, donkey doesn't carry utensils, or a donkey is it's, it's saddled or it's carrying garments, clothes, uh, fabric, and it gets ripped. You don't pay, you pay for the donkey, you don't pay for the damages of the donkey, but you don't pay for the clothing. So the Gemara says, Masis Nalek Rabbi Huda, our mission is not follow the opinion of Rabbi Huda. Tani will learn Rabbi Isaac, Huda Mechaev, Aniski Kalim, Rabbi Huda says, you are liable to pay for damages. That's done to Kalim. Kalim is like, if it's damaged, it's like, it's like dead, it's like destroyed. You do pay for the damages. My time the Rabban, what's the reason of the rabbis who exempt the owner of the of the pit, the one of the pit from paying for the kale? Number God says in the Pasik says in the Pasik, an axe fell into the pit. Or a donkey. Why does the Tate have to spell out uh, axe or donkey? Should have said any, anything that fell into the pit. And it was damaged, you're liable. Who's coming to teach me? Only Adam, an axe, an animal, not a person. And also, only living creatures, donkey and not utensils. Rabbi Yehuda, who disagrees with the rabbis, he says, Oi, the rabbis are It should have said, Why does it say, So, Oi comes to, uh, to add, even for you, you're responsible even for utensils. And the rabbis, we continue in 54a. The rabbis, oi, mi boy lil chalik. He needs oi lil to separate it. And you would think, if it would say shervech amoy, you would think you're only liable if they both fell together. How do I know if only an axe fell or a donkey fell, you're liable? That's what he says, oi. Well, Rabbi Yehuda, that says oi. Oh, you also have here. Oi comes to add. This is a different Gemara. This is Huda that learns Lechalik. Rabbi Huda learns Oi comes to add vessels. Lechalik. How do we know to separate that even if axes alone or a donkey alone falls, you're liable to pay? He says, Vinafal He learns it out. He says, Vinafal in the singular. It fell. The rabbis say, you can't learn from Venafal. I need the oi to teach me that even if the axe alone or the donkey alone fell. Venafal, Venafal could also mean in the plural. Even though Venafal is in the singular, Hebrew language of Venafal could also go on, on the plural. Controversy when we exclude Kalim that fall, according to the rabbis. Are we talking about a pit that has a depth of ten tefachim, which if, a, if an animal falls, you're liable for its death? What about a, a bird that's uh, less, that, that's uh, less 
It's less than 10 spot. If an animal falls, you're not liable for its death. You're only liable for the damage. In such a case, are you liable for the damage or the ruining of the kalim, the vessels, or not? So that's, that's controversial, an argument. The Gemara will later explain, according to Rabbi Yehuda, so what do you learn from Hamer? If he's saying, oh, it comes to add that you are responsible for the kalim, so what does Hamer come to the school? Okay. The Gemara continues. Hema, let's say, even nafal is a klal, is a generalization. Anything that falls. Then the Torah spells out specifics. Shev v'chamer prat. So that's specific, the details. Klal prat, emachal, mashav prat. So one of the 13 principles that we learn, the things from the Torah, Rabbi Shmuel we say every morning before davening. So em b'chalal, mashav prat. The Torah gives a generalization, and then he gives specifics. The specifics narrows down the, the generalization. It's only in these two. So maybe it's only if a donkey or if an axe or a donkey fall, and nothing else, not any other animal. Sheva chamedim, idiachdim eloiz, amri the answer. Balabay shalim. Then the Torah says another generalization. The owner of the pit, the one who dug the pit, Yishalim has to pay for anything. So chazav b'kolal. So then it's a klal. So klal u'pratu klal. So you have a open with the generalization, you end with the generalization, and then you have specifics in the middle, the center. Klal u'pratu klal. You have done the So it's it, it's it's inclusive, but it's not all inclusive. It has to be similar to the details that are spelled out. So ma prat mefudish balachayim have to be a living creature. Avka balachayim versus kalim are not they're not alive. If you would say, well, there's another common denominator here. And it's carcass, the carcass of a donkey, kosher, a non-kosher animal, the carcass of an of a axe, kosher animal. Either way, carcass it imparts impurity, whether you touch the carcass or you, touch, or you lift up the carcass without touching it. Birds, a dead bird doesn't contaminate you, doesn't contaminate you by lifting up, only if you touch it. Versus a kosher bird, is if it's in your throat. Maybe a bird that gets hurt, falls into the pit and dies, it gets hurt, damage, you don't have to pay. Okay, and if that's the case, so then one prat is enough, one, one detail is enough. It should be a generalization, and then spell out an axe, and then a generalization. Which one, which one should we single out? If we would only say one, if that one would be axe, I would say, you know, an axe is a kosher animal, and, it's, and it's off, it could be offered as a sacrifice. So only an animal could be offered as a sacrifice. Does the owner of the pit have to pay for the damages? But anything that can't be offered as a sacrifice, no. Chamer is also unique because the firstborn is the only non-cultural animal that the firstborn is is sacred. You have to give to the koyin, and you have to you have to substitute it for with a, with a sheep. Give the koyin the sheep instead, and if not, you you break it break its neck. But anything that's not uh, sanctified, non-cultural animals which are other than a chamer, if it falls into the pit, you should be exempt. So therefore, you have to say both. You have to spell out both. A kosher animal and non-kosher animal. But this only asks the question. So not only do these two have in common the axe and the donkey, that 
you by lifting it up the carcass you also, without touching it you also become contaminated so maybe only anything that fits into that category versus to the exclusion of birds but also these animals have a bechor the exclusion of any animal that the bechor is not holy and the corpse belongs to him called up a misa anything that dies anything that's alive and dies the Torah includes it as if if he would just say donkey I would say that only some similar to the donkey that the firstborn is, is holy so that's why you have to say shreir since shreir is not necessary because it's included in the generalization generalization comes to add right inclusive not all inclusive but inclusive to any living creature but nevertheless nevertheless it does come to exclude it does include uh, horses and whose offsprings are not uh, sacred but because it has it has something in common with both the ox and the donkey that if you lift it up even if you don't touch it you touch the carcass its carcass you become impure but a bird a bird which has two things that are different not just one thing it's different uh, a, a horse and uh, and uh, other animals have to, uh, only one thing they're different and a, and a camel only one thing is different that its offspring is not sacred but on the other hand it's similar to the ox and the donkey that if you touch if you lift up its carcass without touching you're contaminated but a bird has two things which are not similar a its offspring are not sacred and b if you lift up and without touching the dead carcass of the bird uh, you're not uh, impure so therefore it should be excluded so rather where do we include everything including the bird it's not from the generalization the specific and the generalization Ella rather we learn it out because it says anything that dies is included so anything that was alive and by falling into the pit that died the owner of the pit has to pay and that includes birds also any living creature that dies because of your pit you have to pay according to the rabbis you exclude Kalim Rabbi Huda says Oi, comes to add that Kalim utensils or garments that fall and get ruined you are liable to pay or the rabbis say you're not liable to pay why do I need an exclusion it's only something that could live and die only something that could live and die uh, you should be liable for its damages but anything that can die a vessel could die so how could you exclude it? How could you include it? Yemad answers, Amri, they answered, Nishiva Shvidasan, Zuhumisasan. It's the equivalent of dying. Dying means it no longer serves a purpose. And something is alive and it's dead, it's, it's useless, it's dead. So a vessel that's ruined, a garment that's ruined, that's its death. That's its death. According to the that's that's fine with me. That says that the the bird you only liable for the damages because the animal suffocates the foul ear, not for the for the if the animal falls and breaks its neck or falls and because that Hashem that's Hashem's earth that caused that damage, not me. It's only if I created that foul ear. So how could you how could you be liable? Why do I need a pasuk to exempt you from being liable or to to add a, you should be liable for the breakage the breakage of the vessels the breakage of the vessels that that comes from the from the ground which Hashem created it's not me 
So I'm really answered. Bechadeti the mifke mehavle. They were talking about new vessels, the mifke mehavle. They really break because of the foul ear. So therefore, you could be held liable. So according to Rabbi, according to Rabbi Huda, you are liable. According to the rabbis, you're exempt. This is the ones that have not yet been hardened by a kiln. Yeah, he's giving an example. It could be old, old vessels, but the foul ear ruins it and destroys it. You're telling me, come to teach me that any animal that's alive, it could be a bird, if it dies, you're liable. I need it for something else. I need it for what Rabbi taught me. That an ox of Suli uh, a sacred animal that was designated as a sacrifice, then they had a defect and you redeemed it. And now it's privately owned. It's like your own personal property because the, the, you redeemed it. And now the money is sacred and the animal is, you can eat it, you can eat it in, uh, like any other animal. But if this animal falls into a burr, if this animal falls into a burr, you're exempt. Why? Not Why? It is your fellow's axe. It is your fellow's axe. You redeemed it. You redeemed it. If someone, if someone went and gored that axe, he would have to pay. Because it's, now it's your privately owned. You redeemed it. It's yours. You can, eat it, you can use it for steak, for the barbecue. You can do whatever you want with it. It's your axe. Nevertheless, you're exempt. How do I know this? Rabbi says, because of Amesi Eloi. Since, even though, since it was formerly a holy axe, it retains some residue of holiness. The Torah says that even though you can barbecue it, you can do whatever you want with it, but you can't use it to shear, you can't use shear its wool, and you can't, you can't feed it to the dogs if it dies, you have to bury it, and you can't work with it. So since the Torah says that the carcass falls into the pit, it's yours, you can feed it to the dogs. In this case, you can, so you're exempt from paying for the damages of this ox. I need the pasuk to teach me that. Where do I know the fact that every living creature falls into the burial liable? It says in the Passover, it says you should return the money to the owner. So, call the Isli Bailim anything that has an ownership, anything that's owned. So, the bird is also owned. So therefore, if the bird falls and, and dies or gets hurt, you have to pay the owner. In fact, if that's the case, if that's where you're learning from, you're adding a bird, how about vessels, garments also? They get ruined. They also have ownership. The Adam Nami could also be owned. Let's say a Canaanite slave. She should also be liable. We have a Patsik already. So Tater comes to exclude Caleb. Okay. Rabbi Hudu says the Oi comes to add Caleb. So Bishlay comes to exclude Adam, a person. What does Chamer come to exclude? Word chamer, according to Rabbi Huda, we have it's difficult. We don't understand why the pasuk is coming to exclude. According to Rabbi Huda, it's not coming to exclude anything. And also said avedel, it says by avedel, 
Taylor says you have to return, restore to your friend his lost objects. He says, don't see. You're not allowed to close your eyes if you see the ox of your friend or a sheep wandering, wandering off. You can't close your eyes. You must return them to your brother. So the question is, what does seh? Why does the Taylor spell out? Taylor said, any lost object, any lost object of, your, of a fellow Jew, you have to return. Why does he spell out seh? And it remains a question. We don't know. Spells out. The Taita says uh, axe, donkey, garment, and set. So the Gemara explains all the other details. It's coming to teach me something. But but the set, we don't know. We don't know what set is coming to teach me. We know it's coming to teach me something, but we don't know. Kasha, we don't know what's coming to teach me. Okay. It says, When do we say that you're liable for the damages of the, of the axe gets killed? It's only an ox who's, who's um, deaf-mute, or an ox who's, who's, who's insane, or an ox, a small ox, can't protect itself. Versus uh, if it's, if it's uh, during the day, broad daylight, and it's an adult, uh, mature ox, mature ox can watch himself, protect themselves. I'm not liable, falls into my pit. So your mother says, your mother asks, my sheikhedesh ve'katan. What do you mean, sheikhedesh ve'katan? If you mean an axe that belongs to a deaf mute person, or an axe that belongs to a deranged person, or an axe that belongs to a minor. So what are you saying? So then you're liable, but an axe that belongs to a, a mature adult. Uh, intelligent person is exempt. Why? Rabbi Yechemi says, "No, we're talking the Mishnah means shoyshu. We're talking about the axe. The axe is a deaf mute. The axe is blo- the axe is, is, is deranged. The axe is small. So then you're live. So you might continue. We continue on 54b. A shoyshu pekeh. What are you saying? But a shoyshu pekeh, an axe which it itself is mature." And it's it's not the range, the normal acts, you're exempt. Why? Why why would you be exempt? I'm gonna be me, let me buy We're saying like this. We're saying is not only an axe that the axe is mature and intelligent is liable. But the axe that belongs. I'm sorry, if the axe itself is a cheresheit of a cotton, I would say that the fact that it's deaf mute caused it to fall. The fact that it's, it's small, it's young, it doesn't know how to protect itself, caused it to fall. And if a lifter, the owner of the pitch should be examined. Marshmallow, and that even in these oxen, you're also liable. That's what he means. He's saying, even not only an ox, a regular ox that falls in, you're liable. Even an ox that's a deaf mute, an ox that's deranged, that's an ox that's small. So you would say, you can't just blame me. I don't take the full blame. It's the responsibility, it's because of the ox's situation that he fell. So we say, no, even in that case, the owner of the pit has to pay. He's what? He's negligent. Yeah. Means if the axe itself is intelligent, it's not the rain. 
the owner of the owner of the pit is exempt. It's not the meaning of the Braisa. The meaning is Odom. If a person was a Bardasva, Bardas, he's not referring to an ox. He's referring to a person who's a mature adult. A person who's normal, who's not deranged, and he falls in, you're exempt. Like we said, you don't pay for a person, the damages of a person. Like the person fell in or the person's ox fell in? The person fell in himself. Like we just said, we excluded the person who falls in, though, uh, the, you don't have to pay if he kid dies. But for the, if the axe falls in, doesn't matter if the axe is, is uh, the range or not the range, you have to pay for the. If that's the case, you're telling me that only if he's a mature adult, he's intelligent and falls into the pit only and dies, only then the owner of the pit doesn't pay. But if he's a deranged person, you do pay. But it says, the title excludes only for an ox, not for any person. It doesn't matter what state of mind the person is at. Elamai, bendas, what does bendas mean? Min bendas means a person who in general is a bendas. A person in general is, a, is an understandable person. So anyone who's from the species of a human being, who in general has das, even if technically, specifically, this individual person doesn't have, he's exempt. If you're saying the B'naisa means but says clearly that if an if a axe falls in, your exam clearly spells it out. We're not talking about an axe that belongs to Bendas. It's an axe who's a Bendas, who's a normal axe. The owner of the pit is exempt. El Rabba Merav, the Mishnah means is Shevu Shevu because the Shev can't protect itself, that's why the, pit, the owner of the pit has to pay. Avol Shevu Bekeh, an axe who's mature, who's not deranged, who could protect itself, Potter, why my time? Can you buy the Yunin Mesel? Uh, an animal has its f- head where facing the ground. An animal knows how to protect itself. So an animal is going in the ground and you're walking straight into the pit. <laughs> I'm not responsible. It's broad daylight. If it was at night, it's a different story. Or if it's blind. But you, you see, your eye, your head, your eyes are glued to the ground. You, self-preservation is the most powerful force on earth. So of course, so you're, you're responsible, not me. Or regular ox, but someone was blind. Or he goes at night. A regular ox goes at night. He can't see. Then the the is But But if it's a regular mature, a regular ox that's walking in broad daylight, but uh, he's exempt. Okay. Next mission. An ox or any animal is equal when it comes to falling into the pit. When it says, even though the Titus says if an ox falls in, it's not specifically only an ox. Any animal that falls in, 
the pit, the owner of the pit, the one who dug the pit has to pay. And also, Lafrosh's Har Sinai. It says in the Torah that they should separate themselves. You're not allowed to go up the mountain, right? They made boundaries around the mountain. No one was allowed to go past the line. Not themselves, not the Jews themselves, not their animals. So there also, the Torah, even though the Torah says behemoth, it means any animal, any living creature, chaya, birds, and also the tashlumi kefu. The Torah says if you steal, you have to pay double. So it says if you steal from an ox or a donkey or a sheep, you have to pay double again. The Torah means all animals. Even though the Torah gives three examples, but indeed the Torah means all animals. Also, La Shavas It says by restoring a lost object, if you see the axe of your friend lost or a sheep, don't, don't conceal, don't hide, cover, don't hide, pretend that you don't see, and you're obligated to return, restore to them the lost objects. Even though the Torah spells out axe and sheep, it includes all animals. Also, Leprika. The Torah says you have to help if your animal is uh, overloaded, is collapsing. So you have to help your friend's animal unload to, to lighten his load. So even though the Torah says when you see the donkey of your enemy collapsing from his load, so the Torah spells out donkey, it doesn't mean necessarily donkey, it means any animal. Also lechsima. It says you're not allowed to muzzle your animal when it's threshing, so it should be able to eat. So the Torah says, "Le sachsim shor bedish." Kiseitz in Parshas Kiseitz, you're not allowed to muzzle your animal. Mitzvah five hundred and ninety-six. You're not allowed to muzzle your animal. So even though the Torah says "ax," he means all animals. Also, the kloyim, when it says. That you're not allowed to plow. You're not allowed to plow diverse pieces together. Right, mitzvah five hundred and fifty. You're not allowed to plow with your axe and your donkey together. So the Torah means any two animals. Torah gives an example. There is an argument if it's specific. The Torah says an ox and a donkey meaning a kosher and a non-kosher animal. But others say no. Any two animals, even two kosher animals, you're not allowed to plow together. That's how we hold. What's the reason you have different eating schedules? Yeah, because an animal, if you say non-kosher or kosher, makes a lot of sense because the animals, uh, non-kosher, the kosher animal is chewing its cud. So the non-kosher oh, animal yeah. gets jealous. It thinks that it's is eating, he got double portion. <laughs> he doesn't realize he's eating the same food over and over and over again. So you're making him jealous. If it's a kosher and a kosher animal, you're not allowed to breed two different species together. So that, that wouldn't matter if it's a kosher, non-kosher, kosher. Also, uh, yeah, you're not allowed to breed two animals. Also, it means any animals. Even a chai and oiv. Also, Shabbos. Peter says... That your donkey, your axe, and your donkey have to rest, and all your animals also chaya, not only behema, also chaya and oif. Why in all these psukim that the Tatars spell out axe or donkey? The Tatar speaks behavior. The always speaks in practical. This is the norm. So the Tatar gives an example. Tatar in general always teaches and speaks to us in the concrete. Never in the abstract. 
just an example of real life. So a person, a donkey, and an and a ox, this is, this is what usually people use, but it means all animals. Okay. That's the mission. We know indeed, maybe it is only these specific animals. How do we know it includes all animals and all chayas and all, bir- all birds? Because it says, I call this libolum. He said, you have to return the money to the owner. The digger of the pit has to re- restore and return the money to the owner. It caused damage, it caused loss, he has to return. So we say anything that has ownership, which means all the animals, all the birds, anything that has an owner. Call this libolum. Like we said earlier, that you should uh, make boundaries around the mountain you're not allowed to come close to the mountain you or your animals it says in it says if an animal or person will not, will not live if you come close you can die so we know that when it says animal it includes even chaya doesn't mean domesticated animals. Im, it says im 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 behema im comes larabes aephus comes to add even the birds. Kefa tashlumi kefa, which we say even if you steal any living creature, kadamrinon like we say. It says I called the varpesha klal. I called varpesha. Klal called Varpshi. That any, if you steal any Pesha, you did, you did something terrible, you stole. So it doesn't matter what you're stealing, it's not only an animal, any, any Pesha, as long as you stole. If you steal a bird, it's not stealing. If you did a Chaya, so the same applies, you have to pay double. We learn that the Torah means anything that's lost to your friend, you have to restore. It says, L'kol means anything he loses. That includes everything. Liprika, to unload your friend's, don- your friend's animal. Even though the Torah speaks of a donkey. But we learn donkey from Shabbos. It's also there, it says donkey. And just like over there. Any animal of your friend has to rest. So it means any animal, behemoths and chayas, and even oifas and birds, so too, unloading is the same thing. Any animal that belongs to your friend is overloaded, you have a mitzvah to help unload. Lechasimba, not muzzling your animal, yalav shershem, it says, it's achsem shir, it says ax, but we learn shir, shir from Shabbos, just like Shabbos means anything, any animal. So any, any animal of yours that's working, you're not allowed to muzzle the animal. Likalayim, when it says mixing, so again, if, you, if you're talking about you can't plow with two species together. Yalif, we learn Zayda Shavash Shavash Shabbos. Yalif, we learn Shavash Shabbos. Just like Shabbos includes all animals, so too, any two animals. Even though it says Shavash 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 any animals. If you're referring to the Kalayim, you're not allowed to mix two different species together and breed them together. It says the same code word that means just like Shabbos, any animal. Okay, so you're bringing all from Shabbos. 
How do we know Shabbos? That you're not allowed to have your animal work on Shabbos. Maybe the Torah says, as the Torah says, your ox or your donkey. How do we know all animals? The first Dibris has stated in the book of Exodus, in the book of Parshas Yisrael, Nemer, Avdechov, Ambaschov, It says, you're not allowed to work, not you, not your slave, not your maid, or your animals. The title doesn't say specifics, it doesn't say ox or donkey, it just says any animal. It's after 40 years, 40 years later when Moshe is repeating in Deuteronomy, he's repeating that says Dibris. Nemer over there it says Vesherchov, Achamerchov, and there he spells out your ox, your donkey, and all your animals. So why does he spell out ox and donkey? He already said all animals. to teach you just like over here includes any animal because it says means any living creature doesn't matter if it's a behemoth domesticated a wild or so therefore the Torah spells wherever else it says in the Torah you should know includes everything including anywhere in the Torah it says you should know it means it also includes not exclusive it's inclusive any living creature including but the Gemara says that's a generalization that says that's prat. That's the, the specifics. So you have a klal of prat. Maybe the Torah is spelling out. That's one of the thirteen principles. Rabbi Shmuel, how you derive things from the Torah? Maybe it's only Only you're not allowed to let your ox or your donkey work. Other animals, you don't have this prohibition. Somebody they said, because it says, It's a klal of prat because afterwards he concludes, and all your animals. So it's a generalization, a specific specification, and then a generalization. So the generalization comes to include anything that's alive. So what's it coming to exclude? So Emma wanted to say, It has to reflect the prat. It has to reflect the specific. Yes, it, you're generalizing both at the beginning and at the end because you want to be inclusive. But it's not all inclusive. You have to, you have to exclude, eliminate some because it has to reflect the two examples that Taylor gives. What's the common denominator between an ox and a donkey? One is kosher, one is not kosher. What's the common denominator? That the carcass contaminates and parts impurity, not only if you touch the carcass, even if you lift it without touching it. So only maybe only that type of animal versus a bird, have a lifers, which their carcass only contaminates if you touch it. No, even by touching it not, or even carrying. The only way you contaminate by a carcass of a bird is if it's a kosher bird that's stuffed in, in, the, in your throat. Otherwise, it doesn't contaminate. So maybe then there's no prohibition for Shabbos that your bird should work on Shabbos or carry on Shabbos.
Amri, they say, the Yeshiva, they say, okay, if that's the case, Nichtev Rachmanach, Kad Prata. One detail is enough. One example, either ox or donkey. Again, I would say it has to be similar to that. No, you can't say that. Because which one should we write? Which one should the merciful one write? I would say only an ark, like an animal that's similar to an ark, which is offered in the altar. There's a very limited amount of animals can be offered on the altar. Only a sheep, a goat, or an ox. So all, all other animals are excluded. You're allowed to, they're allowed to work for you on Shabbos. So I have to say chamoy, which is not offered on the altar. Because Rahman and would only say donkey. I would say a donkey is unique. It's the only non-kosher animal that its firstborn is holy and sacred, and they have to redeem it. You have to give it to the koyin, a substitute, a sheep. So only the only something that's offspring is holy and sacred. Only then you have the prohibition of not working the animal on Shabbos. Any other animals not included? Because of Rachman, that's what the Pasik said, sure. So even. Because since it's extra, it comes to teach me that even an animal which firstborn is not the whole sacred. Oh, of course, the axe is firstborn and sacred, but since it's extra, I don't need it, it comes to teach me. So I need to, I need to say both. So the question remains, why don't I say it has to reflect, it has to, it's not all inclusive, it has to exclude something. It has to reflect the two examples that Teddy gives, an ox and a donkey, which is that they contaminate, the carcass contaminates if you touch or lift it, versus maybe excludes a bird whose carcass is not, is not contaminated. But answer that, rather, it's not just a klal or prato klal. Chol means all the animals, period, all living creatures. Tell me whatever it says in the title, call means includes everything, all inclusive, without any exceptions. And we do expound and say there's a generalization, there's specifics, there's another generalization. The is coming to be exclusive, but it's not all inclusive, even though it says call. Which items are you allowed to purchase with the money of Maishasheni? Maishasheni, the second tithing, after you give the first 10%, after you give the truma to the Koyan, after you did the Bikurim, and you did the truma, and you give 10% to the, um, to the Levi. The second 10%, in the second, first and second, and fourth and fifth year, you have to take it up to Yerushalayim and even Yerushalayim. It's a lot of fruits, it's a lot to carry. You can substitute it for money, take up the money, and in, in your shalayim you have to purchase. What could you purchase? So the trader spells out, what do you purchase? You take the money, whatever you want to eat. That's a klal, a generalization. Anything, I can buy anything. But then the trader spells out, no, you have to spend the money by bakar, cattle, ubatzayin and sheep, ubayayin, wine, ubasheicher and beer. Old, old wine. That comes to exclude, so it has to, it's not all-inclusive. The Torah is giving us examples. So it has to reflect the examples. So what is it coming to exclude? Prat. But then it says, anything you want. So again, it's a klal, a prat, a klal. So klal, a prat, a klal. It has to reflect the prat. Ma prat, ma furish, primi, pri. 
all the examples the Teda gives are fruits that emerge from another fruit. Cattle and sheep are offsprings that come from other from their mothers. Wine comes from grapes. Beer comes from dates. So it's one fruit that gives another fruit. An animal gives birth to an animal. The grapes give birth to wine. The uh, dates give birth to beer. So that's number one. The second thing is all these examples have in common, Giduli Karka. They all either grow in the earth, the grapes or the dates. The animals graze from the earth. That's where they get the sustenance from. So they're connected to the earth. That's their lifeline. Afkol, so too, what items am I allowed to purchase to take this money and use this money to eat in Yerushalayim? Only items, it's primi pri, bigaduli karka. It has to be primi pri, and bigaduli karka has to sustain itself on the earth. What does it come to exclude? It comes to exclude mushrooms. <laughs> because mushrooms grow from the air, they don't grow from the earth. Fungus. For a shahakal. Right? You make a shahakal. They don't grow from the ear. They're like fungus. They grow from the ear. So it's not giduli kark. And it comes to exclude water. I can't buy water. Umelech and salt. Because water and salt don't come from another, another food item. It's not like uh, animals that come from other animals. And fish, fish don't rely on the, on the ground, on the earth, on the country, on the water. So we see that even though it says, everything, we don't say it's all inclusive. Bakoil means all inclusive. No, we say it's a regular klal or pratiklal, which has to reflect the details. So I'm the answer, Nishiv, the answer is a difference. By Meiser, it says, Bikoil. That's a kolala. That's just a generalization. By Shabbos, it says kol. Kol doesn't say bikol. Kol means all-inclusive. So when it comes to Shabbos, any animal, even the birds, I'm not allowed to work with the birds on Shabbos. Another answer the Gemara gives you by saying, if you want, I'll answer you. Really, kol nami kolala. Really, kol, I can also tell you, is just a generalization. It's not all-inclusive. Miu Our call is is a ribu. Comes to include everything. Why? But the same identical expression. Moshe is repeating what happened in the first dibras. He should have said to use the exact same expression. Why does he add the word call? He adds. He writes call Comes to teach me ribu. Is coming to add. So why do I need Behemtecha in the first first time the Ten Commandments are mentioned? And why do I need the specification of Shein and if it includes everything? It's not coming to exclude anything. It's all inclusive. So why does they have to give me these two examples? 
What is the Amri they answered in Yeshiva? Sher Lagmuri Sher Sher Lachasim. I need the Sher to teach me. Remember, where do we learn by not muzzling your animal, even though the Tater says, It means all animals. Sher Sher from Shabbos. I need the Sher to teach me. Shabbos is coming to teach me in the case of muzzling that includes all animals. We said, how do I know the Tater says? That the Tida Hamurt and the Sinach, the Tida is talking about it specifically a donkey. How do we know it's not specifically a donkey? Any animal that belongs to your friend that's overloaded, you're obligated to help unload the animal. So we learn out from Shabbos, Hamur, Hamur. So I need these two words as code words to teach me to, in the case of unloading. I need Behemtcha of the first Ten Commandments to teach me. By Kaloy, we learn Exeter Shava. You're not allowed to plow your animals, you're not allowed to breed. And by breeding, that's the case. If you learn it out from Shabbos, the prohibition of, of plowing and, and, and with two animals and Mixing, you learn out from Shabbos. I feel Adam So also, a person should be prohibited. In other words, just like you're not allowed to plow with two species, you shouldn't be allowed to plow a person together with an animal. Learn out from Shabbos. The Shabbos says you don't do work, you or your animals. So you're learning out from Shabbos. So you should learn out also that a person can. You can't plow together with the animal. You can harness a person and then, and then schlep together with the animal. It should be prohibited. Alama, maybe yes. No, I'll ask you. We learned non. We learned clearly. Intracted kiloyim adam mutterim kulon lachlish v'limshach. A person is allowed to. There's no prohibition for a person to harness himself and plow together with his cow. So Amra Papa says, Papa Noy, Papa Noy, you're the time with the mills. The students in the place Papinoi, they know how to answer this. Mani, who are these rabbis? Who is this? And what's the reason? What's the reason? In order that your slave and your maid should rest like you. So, we compare the slave and the maid to the animal only that all of them should rest. Even though the Tatus says that your maid should rest and your, your, your a slave should rest and the animal should rest, we're juxtaposing. The Tatus is only coming to teach me that they all have to rest on Shabbos. Not juxtaposing that it should be prohibited from plowing together a person together with the axe. Here tomorrow with Hashem's help, we're going to conclude the fifth chapter of Avakam. Have a wonderful day.